What's up, y'all? We having fun at church today? All right, all right. I like it. Hey, I want to start off with a question here. How many of you in the room today are married? By show of hands, you're married. Some of you seem confused. <laughs> I saw a hand like, do this. <laughs> Man, okay, perfect. I love it. Listen, I, I love marriage. I think marriage is amazing. My wife, Addie, you just saw her up here. We have a great marriage. And I, I think marriage is one of the most amazing things people can do in their life, truly. And the Bible confirms this. Many of you maybe have read this before. Second, hesitations, 2.12, happy wife. Good, we've been reading our Bibles. <laughs> no, I, I do. I love marriage. Um, marriages, I guess I, I want to say always, I guess maybe not always, most of the time begin with a, a wedding, right? And I have kind of like, this is self, I, I gave myself this title, the wedding warrior, pretty cool. And I say that because in the last, I was thinking about, it's hard to count, I don't, I don't know the exact number, but in the last eight years or so, I have been a part of over 50 or 60 weddings. I, see, you're like, what you said is true. I get it. Now, whether it's like officiating, I do that a lot, like as the pastor. Um, I've DJed a couple weddings. <laughs> I don't know why I got asked to do that, but I think I did a decent job, hopefully. Um, I, you know, I've photographed, videoed weddings because I, I do that stuff as well. I've been uh, groomsman many times. I even get this. This is not a joke. I got asked to be a bridesmaid one time. <laughs> I, and I very politely and respectfully declined. Sorry. Um, but I, so I've been to a lot of weddings, right? And weddings, I've learned over the years, are they're fun, right? They're fun. People are really happy. It usually except the mother-in-law. There's always an unhappy mother-in-law. They usually get over it, usually. Um, but weddings are fun, right? People are smiling. People are crying. People are hugging. It's a celebration. It's fun. There's pictures, all that stuff. But the main kind of, I guess, the main point of a wedding is what we call the vows. That's the most important part of the whole wedding. It's the, the promises that the about-to-be husband and wife make to each other before friends, family, and God. You know, things like, till death do us part, you know, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, like all those things, right? And to us, that's, that's like glamorous. It's the, it's, the, it's the really beautiful part of the wedding where, you know, again, we're crying, there's pictures, all that stuff. It's fun to be at a wedding. Amen? There's a couple guys that are like, no, <laughs> not me. Depends on the wedding, I guess. But I, I don't know about y'all, especially you guys that have been married before. How many of you know the wedding is the easiest part of the entire marriage, right? It's the easiest part. And uh, Addie and I, I, I remember this very specifically. I remember, you know, we spent eight, nine, ten months and all this money, all this stress, planning this one day. And then it goes by so fast. And you, I remember we woke up the next morning and we're like, oh, my gosh, like, it's over now we're, now we're married. <laughs> you, you know, it's like this, oh, reality sets in. I kind of imagine this is what it's like to have a child. You know, you like, you go through all this beautiful, like, pregnancy and stuff, and then you have the baby, and you take it home. You're probably like, oh, my gosh, what do we do now? <laughs> is that, but parents, is that right? Is that, can I expect that? Okay. I, but I remember having this, like, okay, wow, I made all these promises, and to be real, like, saying the promises out loud is kind of easy. 
you know, you just repeat after the preacher, you know, till death do us part. Till I die, I'm going to love you and no one else for the rest of my life. That's easy to say. And then you wake up the next day, the next week, the next month, the next years, and you have to try to figure out, okay, what am I going to do about the promises I made on that day, right? I got to put it into practice. And I think, I think Christianity can be like this sometimes. For a couple of reasons. Number one, I think if you are a Bible reader, actually one of the main themes that we see throughout Scripture is the marriage between Christ and the church. You know, the whole Old Testament is, is about God trying to get us as his people back. And then Jesus comes along, he pays the, the dowry with his death and resurrection, and then someday in the future, we're going to meet him in the sky and there's going to be a big wedding, and it's going to be fun, right? And then also, there's a lot of parts of Christianity where God actually makes a lot of promises to his people, right? We see it all through scripture, God makes these promises to people, and what's fascinating to me is and we're actually going to go through a list of some of them here. And you should have seen the last service. They're like, they're like amening, like they're excited. We get excited when we hear about these promises that God has for us, right? It's fun. It's glamorous. It's cute. We love hearing about the good parts. But can I be real with you? The second chance? Yes? If we're being honest, I think sometimes metaphorically we wake up the next day and we're like, God, you made these promises, but what are you going to do about it? Like, I know you promised these things, but I'm not sensing them in my life always. Or I, I know that this good is coming, but I don't see it even coming close to happening. You know what I mean? It's that kind of like, oh, gosh, okay, the promise was good, but I'm not seeing it come to fruition. God, what's going on? You ever felt that? Yeah. And Today, as we, I want to kind of split this message up into two parts, okay? Part number one, I'm going to call the wedding. And I want to sit here for a second, and I want to use the story. Many of you who have been coming for the last few weeks, we've been in this series, Live Full, Die Empty. I'm always so nervous I'm going to mess that up. I almost said live empty, die full last service. <laughs> Ruined the whole series. Live Full, Die Empty. And we've been going through the story of Abraham. How many of y'all, let's do a test. How many of y'all remember how old Abraham is? At this point, 75. You guys haven't been paying attention. I'm just teasing. And Abraham, he wants a child. He doesn't have a child. He's 75. They don't have an heir yet. And so God chooses Abraham as like person number one, essentially. God has this idea one day, or he sits down, and he's like, you know, I want to start a nation. I want to start a country, and I'm going to do it through this dude named Abraham. Abram so far. And so we've seen Abram, God calls him out of this place called Ur, he's along the way, he stops, he pimps his wife out like one time to these people, it was real awkward, Perry was making me uncomfortable when he was talking about it, I'm just being honest, not really. Then he goes and kills a bunch of people and now we're at this part in Genesis chapter 15 where Abraham and God are having a conversation about some of these promises that God has made to him. You ready to read this? That's what I like to hear. Guys, I'm a youth pastor. I need this back and forth thing, okay? Otherwise, I feel insecure and want to walk off the stage. Here we go. Genesis 15. <laughs> Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. More promises right off the bat. 
Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and he said, Look up in the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. So we see here, God, again, he starts making these promises to Abram, right? He's just he's kind of spouting them off. And, you know, we're going to get to, like, Abraham's his doubt here in a second. But as I was preparing this message, I, I wanted to just pause and share, like, I had this question, what are the promises of God in our life? Like, if I'm reading the Bible or if I'm just doing my, my walk with Jesus, like, what are they? Because there's probably a lot of them. So I... I broke this down into five separate categories of promises that God promises to you and me if, if we are in Christ, okay? You ready for this? Number one, I am always with you. I'm always with you. Did, you. did you know that God will never leave you? He will never leave you. Let me just read this quick, Psalm 139, 7 through 10. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are even there. Your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. Now, have you ever, I, I heard a preacher say this one. Honestly, bless their hearts. Some of these preachers, man. I, that's all I can say. But I heard this preacher say one time when I was younger, he said, you know, the presence of God isn't with you when you in the middle of your sin. And I said, huh? You know, like, I, I just read this verse. It says, no matter where I go, your spirit will never leave me. If I go to heaven, you're with me. If I go to the place of the dead, you're with me. If I'm soaring above with the eagles, you're with me. If I'm in the depths below beneath my spare, in my despair, you are with me there. I, I, I don't know if you know this today, but I want you to know God will never leave you. It's a promise. That's a fun thing to hear, right? Here's number two. I am in control. I am in control. Deuteronomy 31.8, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Did you all know there are situations in life that God has actually gone before us into our futures and he's taken care of them? That, that's really comforting to me that, to know that there might be things in my future that I don't even have to deal with or things that, that I would need healed in my life that God's already taken care of. And this is a promise of God to us as people. I am in control in your life. Okay, that's number two. Number three, I am always good to you. I'm always good to you. James chapter 1 verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. This is, I, I didn't have this plan, but I was thinking about this this morning, and I, I'm reminded of this. There's this story in the, the book of Matthew. It's called the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is basically, he's standing on a hill, and he's talking to a bunch of people. It's like the first, at least recorded sermon that, that we have of Jesus. And in, the, in chapter 7, Jesus, he kind of like pauses and, and addresses the parents for a second. 
And he says, hey, you guys who are parents, how, how much do you like giving good gifts to your kids? You know, and I imagine they're probably like, yeah, 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 it's fun. And he kind of makes like a joke like, you know, if it was Christmas, he didn't say it this way. This is the Cole Farlow translation. If it was Christmas, like you wouldn't wrap up a snake and give it to your kid. Like that probably wouldn't be nice. And then he goes on to say like, you who are evil give good gifts to your children. How much more does the Father in heaven want to give good gifts to his children? And I think sometimes we do, we get a little confused with this because I really do believe that God promises to us that he will always be good to us. And there are things in life that make us question that, yeah. Uh, Yeah, uh, some things. Like, why would God let this person, why would God take this person from me? Well, I believe God's always good, so what if it wasn't him that took that person from you? What if he's actually hurting just as much as you are because he's good? You know what I mean? And it's just really, it's really good to know that the promise, the, one of the promises from God to us is that he's going to always be good to us. Amen? That's what I like to hear. Number four, I will never lose a battle. I will never lose a battle. For the, Deuteronomy chapter 20 verse 4, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. I had a, a friend in college one time, they, they kind of explained this to me. Because I'm like, man, is God really fighting? Does he fight for us? And he said, you know, Cole, there's a, there's a, a spiritual realm that you can't see, right? There's, there's a lot actually, I think, going on around us that we don't see in life. And he said, imagine this. How many times do you think God has actually sent an angel to slay a demon and you didn't even know it? How many times like, ha- has God actually rescued you from a temptation and, and you just went on about your life? And I can't wait to get to heaven someday because I'm going to ask, like, I, when I get to heaven, I imagine, listen, I'm weird. I imagine in heaven there's, like, going to be this big movie screen and we're going to get to, like, watch all the things we never got to see. And I'm going to be like, hey, play this moment and he's going to play. It's going to be pretty cool. That's my version of heaven. So someday we're going to get to see that. But I, I do, I believe God actually fights for us and we don't even know it because it's a promise that he's given to us as his children. And then the last one, this is the best one. I will always love you. I will always love you. This is my, hands down, my favorite passage from the entire Bible right here. Romans chapter 8, verse 38, 39. Paul says this, and I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death or life, angels or demons, not our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ our Lord. That makes me want to take my shirt off and sprint around the building. I'm about to get Pentecostal. I'm serious. That verse messes me up. How good is it to know that no matter what, God's always going to love you? Amen? Now see, look at this energy. This is good stuff, right? We, we love hearing the promises of God. It's fun. It's kind of like, you know, the whole wedding thing. That's the part of it that, that is fun. I love reading about that. I love reading those verses. I love thinking about the promises that God wants to, to fulfill in my life. But I think, again, if we're being real, there's oftentimes, many times in my life, maybe yours, where God promises I'm always with you. And I'm thinking, it doesn't feel like it. In fact, I've spent a lot of time lately feeling like you aren't with me, God. Or God promises, I'm in control. Really? My life feels pretty out of control. 
or God promises, I'm always good to you. Well, where's the good, God? You see what I'm saying? Is there's this like, there's these two sides of this equation here. Is God makes the promise, but oftentimes it feels like we're left waiting on the fulfillment of that promise, wondering if he's ever going to do it anyway. You know what I mean? And it's so funny. I, Abram, I love his response here in this passage. He's, he's like, God, God keeps laying on these promises, right? And Abram's finally like, bro, <laughs> just pause for a second. He says, I, I know you're promised me all this stuff, like all this nation stuff, and I'm more kids than the stars, and I don't even know if my wife's going to be hand, able to handle that. Like, he, he says, pause, I'm only asking you for one child, and I don't even have that yet. And there's this frustration, I think, that we experience sometimes in life. And, you know, for me, I'm a, I'm a futuristic thinker. And so I see situations in the future that are beautiful. But oftentimes I'm stuck kind of wondering, like, Lord, I, I see that beautiful situation and I s- almost see what you want to do, but it feels like I haven't even gotten one. Where are you? And so the story continues here, and this is going to be part two, the marriage. What are you going to do about it, God? Let's just continue reading this for a second. Then the Lord told him, I am the Lord. Just, by the way, before I read this, this is going to get weird, (laughs) this passage. So just wait, I'm going to explain this to us, all right? Then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession." But Abraham replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? So earlier in this passage, Abram, it says Abram believed God and God counted it to him as righteousness. And God says, this is what I'm going to do. And he says, how can I be sure? How can I know for a fact that you are going to come through and do what you said you're going to do? And this is what happens. The Lord told him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a partridge and a pear tree. You can't not do it. Every time. And a young pigeon. Okay? Abram presented all these to him. He killed them. He cut each animal down the middle and laid the halves side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds in half. Thank goodness he left the birds. He saved the birds. Some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses, but Abram chased them away. As the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a terrifying darkness came down over him. Then the Lord said to Abram, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land, where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. He's talking about Egypt. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, and in the end, they will come away with great wealth. As for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe age. Thank you, God. After four generations, your descendants will return here to this land for the sins of the Amorites. Do not yet warrant their destruction. Here we go. After the sun went down and darkness fell, Abram saw a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch pass between the halves of the carcasses. So the Lord that day made a covenant with Abraham. And he said, I have given this land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River. What in the world just happened? <laughs> I, it's funny. You read the Bible sometimes, and I, I don't know about y'all, but I'm like, what am I reading here? This is weird. And I, I'm going to explain 
it this way. I'm going to use Philip as an example. Is that okay? Should I use Philip? I'm going to make an example out of Philip. Let's say Philip, Philip has a nice truck that I just covet so dearly, you know. I love trucks, and I want one. And let's say Philip, he wants to, to sell his truck, and I'm interested, okay? So I, I go to Philip's apartment. We're talking out the details. He, I want to take it on a test drive. He hands me the keys. I go get in the truck. I'm driving around, having a good time. And like an hour passes or so. And Phillips, you know, he's at his apartment thinking, wow, an hour test drive? Like, he must really like the truck. I might make some money today, you know? Then three hours pass, and I still am not back. And Philip starts to wonder, like, is everything okay? <laughs> What's going on? Then, you know, nighttime comes, and Philip's starting to get, like, real nervous. He's leaving calls on my voicemail, stuff like that, and I'm not answering, you know. And Next morning comes, Philip gets so weird about this, he calls the cops, right? This is what we would do. Your truck doesn't show back up, you call the cops. So that day, let's say, this is a fake story, by the way, just so we're clear. (laughs) That day, the cops come and knock on my door, and they're like, sir, like, Philip Cox claims that you stole his truck. And I say, no, 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 no. He gave me the keys, And the story makes no sense, and I'll tell you why. Because here in our culture today, we have a a certain way of making a deal with somebody, right? And if you go to the store, you exchange money, they give you the item. If you buy a vehicle, you you promise that you're going to make the payments, and they give you the vehicle. And if you don't make the payments, what happens? The bank comes and takes the truck. It's like the safety of it. If you don't, in other words, if you don't come through on your end of the deal and make your payments, we take your truck back. Well, back in the day, in this story, the way that these people made a deal with each other was that they would take an animal, cut it in half. I know it's brutal. (laughs) They would cut it in half. They would lay the pieces down. And the parties, the two parties making this deal would hold hands and walk past through the animals, thus signifying, if I don't come through on my end of the deal, May God strike me down and make me like this animal. Does that make sense? What's fascinating about this particular story is Abram falls into a deep sleep, and he sees, the Bible calls it a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch. He sees those things actually pass through the animals without him. What does this mean? This means that the presence of God actually passed through the animals, not Abraham, signifying Abram, if you don't come through on your end of the deal, that's fine. I promise that I always will. I, I, if you fall, I will, I'm still going to keep my promise. If you stumble, I'm still going to come through. If you trip and sin, I, I, I will not come back on my promise that I'm making you today. And I think this is the nature of how God wants to treat us. Is that, hey, I have these promises for you in your life, and even if you go and screw it all up, I'm still here, and I will still come through. Yeah, it's good. And, you know, I, I think this is true for everyone of you today. I, I told the first service this. I was, I, my, shower, my showers are like my quiet time because apparently it's the only quiet place without a phone left in life. You know, I even said, like, 
even the toilet's not safe. You still take your phone to the toilet. Like, try going to the bathroom without your phone. It's really awkward. <laughs> it's sad, but it's awkward. But I was just, pr- I was kind of praying about this today, um, praying for you guys, and I just got the sense that there are promises that God wants to fulfill for, for some of you, very specific promises. And I don't know what they are. I don't know when they'll happen. I don't know how they look. I just get the sense that God wants to fulfill promises that he's made for some of you guys. To illustrate this, I, I want to share a story from, from my life. Um, many of you, you might know a little bit about this. We're pretty open about it, so it's not a secret. Um, Addie and I, for about five years now, have been struggling with fertility. We want a baby really bad. Um, and it's painful. It's so painful. And so we've been waiting for five years, believing that there is some sort of promise that God, we do, we believe that, that God wants us to have children. And it's not like God showed up through the window and, you know, a hand appeared and wrote it on the wall. It's just this piece about it that, you know, Addie and I, we feel like, yeah, God wants us to have a child or children. And we don't know how that's going to happen, but we just believe it. And so if he said it, he's going to do it. That's just kind of how we've been living our life. And so about a year ago, eight months ago or so, um, we started doing the medical thing where we were going to go and do the tests and figure out if anything was wrong or, or what, you know, I don't know what to call it. And I don't know, around March or so, we have our final appointment to like, here's the conclusion, I guess, if that makes sense. And we're sitting there in the doctor's office with our doctor and she, she tells us basically there's no way that you guys can get pregnant naturally. And the only way that you're going to be able to do this is through IVF, in vitro fertilization. If you don't know what that means, it just means you take sperm and egg and combine them in a lab um, to form an embryo, and that's how you get pregnant. And there are two problems here with me in this moment. I I instantly kind of identified these two problems. One, I had been, we had already been believing that God was going to do a miracle. And so for the doctor to tell me it's impossible, there's no other way, well, this fired me up a little bit. It did. You know, I'm thinking, babe, let's go home. The doctor said it's impossible. This is the moment. We're going to get it on. God's going to do the miracle. I'm going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's going to be great. I'm thinking this is the chance for the miracle, God. Get us out of here. And the other problem, if I can just be really honest with you, is the fact that if we did go through with doing this IVF thing, it's insanely expensive. Insanely, and not only that, it's, they, they don't let you like do monthly payments or anything. Like you got to pay it all up front. So we had a little bit of a problem, <laughs> and so we got home. I, this is a, a, a very, very true story. We got home. And we're kind of talking out some of our options, you know, just voicing some of our frustrations to each other. And we're sitting there, and about 30 minutes later, I get, I get a call from a, from a very, very close friend of mine. And he can tell I'm upset. And so he asks me, you know, what's going on? What's wrong? 
And I, I tell him all, all that. Everything I just told y'all, that's, I laid it all out. And he, he said, let me call you back. Let me call a few people and let me call you back. I didn't know what he meant. Calls back like 10 minutes later or something. And he says, Cole, I got the money, all of it. I, I called a few people that are that are invested in your story. They, they want to be a blessing to you. And let me just be real with you guys. I, again, I, I'm going to be fully transparent. At first, I was very uncomfortable with this because in my head, I had the version of the miracle that I thought God was going to do in my life. I, I, I thought I knew what the miracle looked like. And this, in my mind, wasn't it. And then it all kind of hit me. For in a second, I, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, this is the miracle. And it, Philip actually recently told me this story where, you know, oftentimes life can be like, you know, if you're in the middle of the ocean drowning, you know, a, a sailboat comes along and says, hey, do you need help? And you say, no, I'm here waiting on God. And then a, a yacht comes by and, hey, do you need help? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm waiting on God. It's fine. I'll be fine. You know, then a helicopter comes by. Do you need help? No, I'm waiting on God. And then eventually we drown because the version of the miracle in our heads isn't the version of the miracle that God wants to do. And not only that, is the timeline in our heads isn't often the timeline that God has for us either. And so, huge blessing, right? Completely funded. Gosh. And I, I said this last service, like, this is our announcement. We, we have, Addie's, as of last Thursday, is eight weeks pregnant. And, yeah. It's so cool. And not only that, here's what's crazy, is, is when God comes through on a promise, he often gives you way more than you even asked for in the first place. And so not only is she pregnant with our first child, we have five more embryos still. And I don't know, I'm going to need y'all's help if we end up having all six of these kids. <laughs> I'm nervous, man. I'm like, God, I'm like, I'm not going to pray anymore because you give too much. <laughs> Two boys, four girls. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's amazing. One at a time, though. And I just think that this is kind of the nature of God, and this is how he feels about you. And I just want to address, like, if you're here in the room today and you've just been really frustrated and you felt lonely, and you've been questioning, like, Lord, where in the world are you? I see you doing this stuff for other people. I, it's taken longer for me than it has other people. You know, I've been single for all this time. I want to be married. I, the addiction has lasted longer than, than I thought it would. The, the marriage has been suffering for far too long now. I, I just want you to know, I get that. I get that place you're in, that frustration, the questioning, honestly, the anger, and I just want to tell you today, I want to encourage you that, like, maybe it's not your time yet, but I want to just pray today that, that if, even if it's not your time today, that you would have faith to know for the future that, that God is going to come through. And it matters not what you do. All that matters is that when it happens, you're able to see the miracle and say yes. To recognize the miracle and say yes, yeah. I love it. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you uh, for being so good to us, Lord. 
Thank you for being a good father. Thank you for, for being the, the one that gives all the good gifts. God, thank you for, for always coming through on your promises. But, Lord, I just want to pause and I want to pray for the person that's really struggling to wait. I want to pray for the person that, that is questioning whether or not you're there in their life and that you'll come through. God, I pray that you would give them peace. I pray that you would give them more faith. And, Lord, I do. I pray that you would expedite the miracle in their lives. We love you, Jesus. And if you're here with heads bowed and eyes closed still this morning, you've, you've never experienced a relationship with Jesus before. And today you, you want that. You want to take that step to what you say, Cole, I want those promises in my life too. I want to see God do something crazy in my life. If that's you and you're here today and you've never made that decision, I would just ask that you would just in your head pray this prayer after me and say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I've sinned against you. Please come into my life and take over. I live for you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, real quick, with heads bowed, eyes closed, still, still, still. If that was you and you prayed that prayer this morning for the very first time, one, awesome of you. You just made the best decision of your life. Two, if you could just really quick, nobody's looking around, just slip your hand into the air really quick so we can just see and know and be praying for you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Lord, I thank you for all the raised hands today. Jesus, you are awesome. You are the one that saves. And God, I just pray that for these people that made the decision to follow you for the first time today, God, that you would bless them greatly. You would be with them. You would encourage them. And Lord, you would fulfill a promise in their life too. We love you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. And everybody said, hey, real quick, this is my end of message disclaimer. <laughs> if you have any questions about anything I said today, I'm going to get them back here. Email me at Perry Noble at, my, at secondchancechurch.com. He's watching online. He heard me. Hey, I love you all. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.